0: Our first guest is Russell McGregor. Russell didn't have to come too far to be here tonight. A few years ago, he and his wife, Christine, became residents of Mapleton. Before that, however, they lived in Townsville, Townsville, where for many years, Russell taught history at James Cook University. His earlier publications include Indifferent Inclusion, Aboriginal People in the Australian Nation, which won the New South Wales Premier's Award for History, as well as being shortlisted for the Prime Minister's Award and imagined Destinies, Aboriginal Australians and the Doomed Race Theory. As well as these, he's published numerous articles on environmental history and, as the previous title suggests, the history of racial ideas. He's here with us tonight to discuss his book, Idling in Green Places, which came out last year and was shortlisted for the National Biography Award. It's a biography of Alec Chisholm, who was in his time the nation's foremost naturalist and an extraordinarily committed birdwatcher as is Russell himself. Please welcome Russell to Mullaney. Now, the thing is, Russell, about uh, Alec Chisholm, that despite being extraordinarily well-known during his lifetime, he's largely forgotten now. I wonder if, just for the sake of the audience, you could begin by giving us an idea of who he was, why he was so popular, and also perhaps some of your connection with him. Yeah,
1: Thanks. Um, thanks, Steve um he is Alec is today an almost forgotten man, as you say, not 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 completely forgotten, but he was once a household name in Australia and that's part of the fascination of researching his life, writing about him that um, declined from prominence to almost forgotten today um, but He's not completely forgotten today and I guess that uh, he's best known, best remembered insofar as he's remembered at all today amongst birders of a certain generation. Like me, for example. I, probably most people here uh, had never heard of Alec Chisholm before. Um, he was known to me, however. I, I, as a child, I um, read some of his stuff as a child growing up in the 1960s. Um, and I, I did know that he was a birder, a very prominent birder, and that was the that's the first connection. I'm an historian also, and Alec, although he had no formal qualifications in it, he in fact he had no formal formal qualifications at all, wrote history as well. So that's the second um, connection I had with the guy, um, and. He was famous for other things too. For example, he was the editor of the Australian Encyclopedia that was published in 1958 um, to much acclaim. Um, He was a prominent journalist. He was a biographer. He wrote the biography of several people, including uh, C.J. Dennis. Um, But most of all, he's known for his writings on nature especially birds, because he was, for a time, the leading
0: popular um, writer on Australian birds. But also, I mean, in, of his time, but also ahead of his time, because in the time that he was bird watching, when he started birdwatching, birdwatching actually involved killing them, was how you actually collected... But you, didn't, you didn't look them up in a little book with a pair of binoculars. You actually shot them and skinned them. Yes, Alec, Alec, Alec came to
1: birding at a time when that form of birding was beginning to decline, but it was still widely practised. By the 1920s, when Alec was in his 30s, he was one of Australia's leading opponents of amateur collecting. That is to say, of amateurs going out birding with a gun, which was, which was until that time still quite commonplace. Alec was a leading opponent of that form of birding and a leading advocate of what of something like what we come to think of as birding today. Binoculars, camera, as you can see in the photograph on the cover of the book. Binoculars, although there's an oddity there that you won't see too many birders doing today. He's got a pipe stuck in his mouth at the same time <laughs> as the binoculars are up to his eyes. But, um, yes, he was... Uh, he was a major factor in, a, a major figure, recreating birding to a form like it is today.
0: Yeah. Um, um, and he had that sort of, there's a fantastic quote that you put in the book about when he was talking about it, because he wrote a, a significant article about the Paradise Parrot in, in 1922, and, and he said, you know, let us disdain the lopsided belief that the moving finger of civilization must move move on over the bodies of the loveliest and best of nature's children. He was a great advocate for the bush, Mm. wasn't he?
1: He was a great advocate for the bush and that passage you just quoted is typical chisholm, especially from his um, uh, younger years when he wrote in that very romantic sort of style deliberately trying to appeal to the emotions of his audience, deliberately reaching out to stir the passions of other Australians to try to encourage them to adopt a conservationist ethos, to try to encourage them to identify with birds, but also with other wildlife as well, as part of themselves. Um, as As he aged, some of his writing became a bit less lush, I guess, but he still kept up that romantic uh, idea that people had to emotionally connect with nature, in particular, in his case,
0: with birds. Well, I mean, it was more than that, because he was saying that until white Australia basically comes to love mm. Australian species across the mm. whole kind of gamut, not just birds, mm. we're not going to be at home here. That was his kind of thesis, that's, wasn't yes, it?
1: Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's a very prominent part of his, of his conservation advocacy. Um, Until until the 1960s really, um, conservation in Australia and for that matter in many other parts of the world like North America, tended to be um, connected with nationalism. Nationalism of a particular kind, a kind of nationalism that was highly attuned to nature and that believed that people had to, um, to come to love the nature of their land of their birth, um, as a as a necessary ingredient of nationhood. This so that Alex Alex conservationism was very much connected with nationalism, nationalism of that kind, not a militaristic sort of nationalism, um, but a kind of nationalism that said that the that nature and nation are intimately connected.
0: Yeah, and but I mean he. He also had this fantastic statistic in the bush dated from around because when he read that article about the Paradise Parrot in 1922, he'd also just successfully campaigned against the killing of koalas and possums for the fur trade. And, and there was this extraordinary statistic. I think I think the statistic was three million possums and one million koalas a year from Queensland for the fur trade.
1: Uh, I think at the peak it was around those sorts of figures, yes. At the peak in the, um, in the late, shortly after the First World War, yep. Um, and and he, he not only campaigned against it, he was instrumental in uh, achieving the passage of an important uh, early conservation act in Australia, the um, Birds and Animals Act of 1921, which um, basically, it didn't completely stop. That killing of, birds, of uh, animals for fur, but it certainly impeded it, although you know politicians then were not that dissimilar to those today. So in 1927, the government turned around and ignored it anyway and opened a season up again on possums and koalas.
0: Not very, briefly, no, not but very only, successfully, though, because no, I, think, I no, think it only went for a they, month or something. Yeah, they, they opened
1: it, but the public outcry was such that they, they had to um, shut it down again soon afterwards.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, it, extraordinary character, because he, so, he was so young when he started uh, all these different campaigns. I think he was only 17 years old when he, he first was, wrote... I mean, uh, mm. about the egrets, there's another yep, example, yep, yeah. Yeah,
1: he was 18 when he began campaigning for conservation, yeah, and that was on the plume trade... At the time, egrets were commonly killed for their plumes. Um, I'm not sure. For those who don't know it, you know egrets are a large white water bird that, in the breeding season, they get these beautiful plumes. And um, those plumes were once used to adorn ladies' hats. And um, for that purpose. Uh, globally, I guess, in the millions, but in, um, in Australia, certainly in the tens of thousands of egrets would
0: have been killed every year. I've, al- I've always thought them very flighty birds, but now I kind of understand why, really. <laughs> <laughs> Thank- thankfully, Stephen, this plume trade
1: was, um, was outlawed. Um, and um, although Australia, the United States had a large part in the global outlawing of the plume yeah. trade around the time of the First World War. Yeah.
0: So one of his great successes was his first major book, Mateship with Birds, wasn't it? Yes.
1: and, And the title,
0: the title gives some
1: hint to the kind of naturalist that he was. The title of his first book was Mateship with Birds. You can see the nationalism in there too and you can also see this attempt to encourage an emotional attachment to nature on the part of other Australians. Uh, and, yeah, it, uh, it's not actually the book that sold the best, but it's the book that became a kind of Alec Chisholm classic insofar as any were classics, because they all had a shelf life, and that shelf life passed. Um, possibly, uh, possibly there's an opportunity for a revival of that kind of emotional uh, connected with... with Connectedness, connectedness with nature. I think there's
0: certainly a a place for it. Mm. But you're not. But always particularly kind to Mr. Chisholm in the book, are you?
1: Um, I'm not writing hagiography. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm certainly not trying to portray him as a saint. And he was no saint. Um, and so you know, I'm, I'm trying to give a warts and all presentation of um, what he was like and that's one aspect that you mentioned that the book was shortlisted for the biography award. That's one of the aspects that the judges particularly liked. That, that you know, I'm giving an appreciation of the man but at the same time um, uh, also revealing, showing his less admirable qualities. And in particular, well, as he aged and became increasingly unwell and particularly late in life as his, as his star faded, Alec became a rather grumpy old man. Um, and he, he still kept up his bird watching and he still kept up his love of nature and he went out into the bush as often as he could, and he still wrote about these things. But um, yeah, as as time went on, um,
0: he yeah he became yeah cranky is the word cranky, I think. cranky is the word that I that I that I've heard used
1: yeah in 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 the book um, I think I was looking up the thesaurus for you know many many words to describe um, crankiness.
0: Yeah. Yep. And uh, but uh, I mean he also he, he he had this real love of fame. That was the yes, other thing yes. about him, yep. was that I think yep. a part, There was a kind of two sides to his crankiness, which was mm. A, that mm. he was unwell, yeah. B, that he was kind of getting yep. old. But the other, that C, perhaps, was that people were no longer paying attention to him and it kind of really annoyed the hell out of him. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's that's, well, that's, that's true. He, um, he was... <coughs> I can't a, imagine amongst, why. Amongst...
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, amongst his less desirable qualities, he was a vain man. And the vanity increased, I think, as he aged. There's not, I can't discern much sign of it, a bit, in his younger years... ...but he was a, a um, vain man and he did like public notice. He did like the public to appreciate him and what he did. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the book, somewhere in the book, in the introduction I think I say... ...that fame was like a drug to Alec. Once he got a taste of it after his first few successful publications, he craved it. He needed it. It became essential to his sense of uh, self. Um, And, yeah, so that's perhaps, you know, the the least desirable quality. And he, he was a conservationist. But he was a conservationist of what became an increasingly old-fashioned kind. As we move into the 60s, um, looking around most of you here tonight, most of you, like me, can remember the 60s, uh, a a, a time of growing radicalism, a time when old conservation turned into new environmentalism, a time when conservationists no longer were content to lobby in the old style by writing letters to the minister and stuff like that, but they'd go out protesting in the street carrying placards and all the rest of it. That, that wasn't Alex's style. And as that as that changed, he became in the 60s and into the 70s more and more marginalized. He knew that his style
0: was fading and it distressed him. Yeah. That that sums it up really quite well, I think. Yeah. Now you finished this book sometime early last year. You spent the last year preparing for your new one.
1: Uh, yeah, yes, I'm, I'm in the process of... Um, ..not in the process yet of writing. I'm in the process now of researching the next book, which is A History of Bird Watching in Australia. You can see that there's a connection here. Um, <laughs> um, I've got a National Library Fellowship at the moment um, to research this. so I periodically go to Canberra to do research... Into the history of bird watching in Australia, um, but as I say, yeah, that's that's a little way off yet, uh, and I'm still researching it rather than writing. it, Although I'm writing up, uh, you know, bits and pieces along the way.
0: And you're finding some interesting material.
1: Fascinating, uh, and I think it's fascinating. I mean, I'm a birder, of course, I find it fascinating, but I think it's fascinating for non-birders also. The kinds of things that uh, that I'm um, Finding the kinds of things that I'm looking at, some of the um, the characters that uh, I'm I'm looking at um, are worthy of their stories are worthy of being heard well beyond birding circles.
0: Well, look, we wish you all the best with it, Russell. Put your hands together, please, for Russell. (laughs)